Welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White, and hopefully you are having a good time already, because this show is going to be a great show, but I want you to also be having... I mean, I don't want you to be having a bad time in your life, just so that this show looks better. I, I, I want you to be happy. But let's get right to it. It's a jam-packed show, but I don't think it's going to be as jam-packed as I will announce in just a moment. Let me introduce my fellow co-hosts. As I said, I am Jordan D. White, but this gentleman right next to me here is Rory Singer. Hello, Jordan. It's good to be on the show, of course. Um, we, we missed you last week. We would have done a show without you, but we didn't have the access to the computer or the website or things like that. Well, I didn't want you to do a show without me, so... Well, I know, I know, but, but we had to, we, the three of us had discussed how we, we might we might try to, but we just couldn't figure out how to do it. Good! It's my... It's, you know, I mean, you know it's my podcast, right? So, yeah, I don't... I know, I know. Well, anyway, that's Rory Sinjo. Oh, and I'm an extra historian, uh, again, so extra history, you know, right. And a little more on the extra history front later on. It's going to be a very extra historical show, if you know what I mean. Well, I don't think they do know what you mean, but we'll find out. We'll get to that, we'll get to that. Right here, on the other hand, is Mr. Scape. White. Hi, Dad. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. And how are you doing today? I'm good, too. I, I've been doing a lot of puking recently. Yeah, I've noticed that. Um, I've noticed that. Especially uh, on the bottom of my feet, I've noticed it because you puke everywhere and I step in it. Well, yeah. It's kind of... Uh, I guess my, my tummy is a little unsettled because I basically... I think it's because I, I eat a lot and then I want, I want to make room for some more. And then you just puke. Well, yeah. I'll I, I be like, oh... <clears throat> No, don't puke now. Don't puke now. Yeah, but I'm just demonstrating. It's like... And then out it comes. No, I know. Why are you describing puking? We know what puking is. You don't have to talk about it. No, but Dad, it's different for a cat. Because when I puke, when you puke, it's like... Wetness. When I puke, a lot of the time, it's just like... Plop. There's a little puke yog sitting there. Escape. What? This is disgusting. No, I... Well, it's just... I'm just saying. I've been I've been feeling a little puking. I, and again, I know you're pukey because I step in it. It's disgusting. It's everywhere. You puke everywhere. It's 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 dreadful. You make our house look nasty. To who? To guests. I mean, to to Rory here. To you know, Frank, who I'm going to introduce in a moment. Well, yeah. No, they don't care. They don't care. Well, Frank, uh, this is Mr. Frank Allen. Frank, do you care that there's puke all over our house when you come over? Well, uh, I mean, I I I do do my best not to you know step in it or sit in it or anything like that. Uh, I would prefer not puke for certain. Uh, it's it's always better to be able to walk uh, a, a little more at ease. Thankfully, I I mean, I, as you can see, I keep my shoes on because I because I know the. the hazard is there. And it's definitely not as bad to get it on the bottom of my shoe as it is on the bottom of my foot. I know some, he's saying a puke log, but sometimes they're really juicy and it just soaks right into your sock. Yeah, that's, no, I know. That's it's disgusting. I, look, I can't help it. I get, I feel a little, like, oh, little thing. It's like, oh, hey, what's that? It feels like, oh. No, escape. Just, okay. Let's stop talking about this. This is the most disgusting thing we've... I think it's the most disgusting thing we've ever talked about on the show. So, possibly with the exception of, you know, Frank. Well, possibly, possibly. Oh, no, the puke is... I don't even... Okay, no, I know, actually, let's move on, let's move on. Uh, what I was saying earlier, it was not going to be quite as jam-packed of a show. I, basically, the shows have been just too jam-packed lately. There's too much content. I want to give you everything I can. And then there, I, I want to have keep it under an hour and 20 minutes. It's been a struggle, basically, is the, is the gist. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a little bit less content from now on. So starting this week, this week there's not going to be a scapey story. I know I, we said there was going to be one, but there's not. Oh, Dad! Now, Scape, don't worry. Next week, I'm definitely going to let you do one. 
we can't go too long next week because next week we've already planned out the show. But basically, in the future, uh, the the shows are going to be one less show. So this week we're not going to have Escapey Story. Next week we'll probably have three shows and Escapey Story. I'll find a way to make it work. After that, we're probably only going to have two shows per week of the old shows. It'll still have Escapey Story every week. It'll still have This Day in History. And it'll still have host bits. But we just won't have to be as concerned about, oh my god, we got to get through this. Oh my god, we got to get through this. Like we, like we have been. So I think this is a good thing. So today we can relax a little bit, not race through it because we don't have Escapey Story. And so next week we'll see how it works because uh, I think it's a slightly shorter show. But then after that, it'll be it'll be just breezy, easy peasy, breezy, no problem. Except no Escapey Story. No, I'm saying then there'll be Escapey Story. Okay, good. Or no Frank Allen interview. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know about the Frank Allen interview, but we'll figure out we'll figure out the Frank Allen interview part later. Uh, but this week we don't have a new Escapey Story. That's all I'm saying. But before we get to our first show, let's uh, do our new uh, regular segment. Our newest regular segment, I should say, uh, which everybody knows is Apple Watch. What? It's Apple Watch. Apple Watch. We're watching Frank Allen. Apple Watch, of course, where we watch Frank Allen. We talk about what's going on in Frank Allen's life. Frank, of course, left the show and dissed us. Yeah, but I'm back now. And then, yes, and then came back. But that doesn't mean we have to stop doing a little update about what's going on with him. And especially considering the situation, Frank. Don't you want to talk about it? Well, you know, I was going to talk about it, but we don't have to call it. We don't have to call it that. Well, why not? It's about you. Yeah, but that's not my name. Uh, you know, f- let's just get to the point. Frank, how are things going with you? Are, are, do you have a job? Let's start there. Well, no, obviously, no, I don't have a job. Thanks for asking. Well, what, now, why Why is that? Now, obviously, we know your business has failed, but why is it that you can't go back to your job at the supermarket? Well, because it's just, I, you know, it's a recession. No, but that's not why. It's not because it's a recession. I mean, recession is why you can't get a job at other supermarkets. But you people liked you at that supermarket, and I'm sure they'd be willing to give you your job back because you just left very recently. It was only been like a month or two. No, well, yes, they they knew that I did a good job, but it's things have changed since then. And so, eh. yeah, what? What has changed? What has changed between now and then? A lot of things have changed. And uh, well, okay, Frank. Rory, you want to tell him? Well, yes, apparently when Frank left the job at the supermarket, of course, he told them off just like he told us off and the difference of course being yes he didn't he didn't mean to tell us off on the podcast he didn't realize we were recording at the time of course but he did tell them off over the intercom of the supermarket uh intentionally intentionally so the point is no i don't think they're going to be hiring him back anytime soon well no look i'm gonna get another i'm gonna get another job well like you said it is a recession so it's gonna be it's it's a risk well, yeah it's a risk but I, you know, I think I'll be. I'm a, I'm a very competent person. I have a lot of skills. Meanwhile, we do have one other thing to report on in this Apple Watch. Rory, what is the status of Allen Industries? Well, Allen Industries, having been bought wholesale uh, after Frank ran it into the ground, uh, as as we detailed a few weeks ago, the debts apparently have been paid off. Uh, it, it 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 filed for bankruptcy, of course, but the debts have all been paid off. It turns out that uh, the gentleman who bought it, who has now been revealed as Mr. Franklin Allenton, has made good on all of of its uh, expenses and has uh, started turning it around. It, it's it's not it's not solid yet. It's not 100% ready to go, but my understanding is it, it is looking like they may be able to start their media empire after all. And they're still going to call themselves Alan, even though his name is Allenton? Well, apparently, so far, at this point. I mean, it is, it's at the, I, I believe it's a publicly traded company at this point, and I don't think they like to change their names willy-nilly in that respect. That's very interesting. Well, Frank, well, how do you feel about this? Well, I mean, obviously, I don't like it. I hate that guy. I already hated that guy, and now I hate him even more. Well, we will, uh, we can report on how things are going with Allen Industries next week on 
we'll watch. Well, we're going to be there, there everybody. To... All right, let's get on to our first episode of the show. Up first, we've got Epic Echoes. Now, those of you who have been listening to the show regularly know that a few episodes ago, the Flashpack was revived from the dead. In the last episode, we heard most of the Flashpack in the afterlife. This episode today is an episode that takes place while the Flashpack is mostly dead. It's just the three surviving members. In fact, that's the only people in the entire episode. Dralis, Slaughter, and Fertress. So, Scape, that means lots of you acting. Yes, throughout the Dr. Arnold, I've got to say, uh, I am particularly good in this episode, I think. Uh, you were fine. I think we will find that as well. Uh, let's get right to it. This is Epic Echoes. Goes the Backward Series, Episode 4, The Possessed, by Lynn Nelson. Where are you, you little fuzzball? Jill Slaughter was one of the three Flashpack members still alive. One of the others was Dralis, whom Slaughter had discovered summarily executing her fellow heroes. The pack was on a mission in the past to defeat the Vampiros, an evil vampire race who fed on innocence and, of course, blood. A few days before, Slaughter had been off collecting goo from the Gooby Marsh so that they could set up innocence blobs. Upon her return, she had discovered the rest of her friends dead, having been slaughtered by Dralis. The only pack member unaccounted for was Fertress. Slaughter had now taken refuge in a wooded area and was still searching for the furry little magic user. Finally, she heard a pathetic whimper from behind a log a few yards away. Fertress, is that you? Oh, fish sticks! Quick, Fertress, find the spell! Fertress, it's me, Jill. Slaughter saw a tiny pair of pointy ears emerge from behind the log. Slaughter? Yeah, it's me. How do I know you're not possessed, too? So you saw? She almost got me, but I was too small and tiny. Oh, Fertress, this is just awful. What happened? Hold on there, lady. I still need to know you're not crazy go nuts, too. Fertress, this is ridiculous. We don't have a lot of time. That's what evil Slaughter would say. Well, what do you want me to do? Not chop you to bits with an axe? Great, done. No, Smartass. Just come a little closer. Fine. There, is that close enough? That's perfect. Now just... What are you doing, Fuzzbrain? I found a spell that turns vampires blue for five seconds. And I didn't turn blue? Nope. Got any spells that actually hurt the vampiros? If I did, they'd be hurt by now, wouldn't they? Just checking. That's the only one I've got. Well, maybe we can drive them crazy with a color show. Hey, I don't see you punching out any vampiros, Shrider. All right, how about we save the fighting for after Drella stops being evil and our friends stop being dead? Good idea. How do you plan to do that? Well, we'll need to put our heads together. Oh, Fertress, it looks like it was awful. What exactly happened? Mm. Molly was briefing us about the innocence problems when Dralis came back from... Well, actually, I don't remember where she was, but she came in and she chopped off Molly's head. Everyone was so shocked that no one fought back fast enough. I ran off as soon as she heard Molly. I got back too late. Everyone was already dead. I heard Jimmy screaming, so I hid and tried to see what was happening. I got there just as she killed him. What do you think happened to her? She looked possessed or something. Possessed? By, like, a demon? Well, think, dummy. There are vampiros everywhere. You think she was possessed by a vampiros? Vampiros don't possess, but they do suck out your innocence. Not mine. Drowis is stupid. Thanks, Fuzzburn. I had time to drop a pebble in her shoe. What do you mean? 
I did some fast magic and turned a pebble into a tracking device. I dropped it in her shoe and I ran away. Fortress, I could lick you. No, thank you. Besides, it was all for nothing. I lost my video phone getting away. Well, I have mine, but what's it for? I should convert it to track the pebble. Give me yours. The Catman said some magic words and examined Slaughter's video phone. It looks like she's near the goopy marsh. What would she be doing there? Looking for us. She knew I was collecting goo. Fortress. Do you have a spell that can bring back any of the pack to life? I don't know. It depends on how she killed them. If she chopped off all their heads, I can't do anything. I don't think she did, but I was too far away to see. Let's go look at the bodies. Don't you think she'll come back? Probably, but she's far enough away now. We'll take a quick look. The two made their way back to the clearing where the mangled bodies of their friends lay twisted and lifeless. Oh, God! I know it's hard, Fertress, but we have to look. We have to figure out if you can bring any of them back. Just think of it as though they're play-acting. No, it's not that. It's just they smell bad. <sighs> come on, little man. What did I say about calling me Yiddo? Just look. Okay, fine. Hmm... No, I don't think I can do anything. Everyone has damage to a vital organ. Damn. So it's just us. So what's a brilliant plan now? Okay. Well, Molly briefed you guys about the innocence blobs, right? Yes. You want us to make innocence blobs? Well, if her innocence has been sucked out, then we have to give it back. What are we going to throw them at her? Do you have a better idea? I guess not. Okay. So how do we do this? Well, you have to go? Not anymore. I dropped it when I found everyone else. Okay, well, I have to go back and get more. And lots of it. But Dralis is near there. We'll have to lure her away. Can you throw your voice? Well, I'm certainly not going to let her see me. All right, let's do this. Flashback. Flashback! The two made their way to the Goopy Marsh. When they were close enough, Fertress began throwing his voice beyond the marsh. <coughs> Eventually, Dralis left in search of the Catman. Collecting the goo was a very involved process. Not all of the marsh was still soft, and they had to stop periodically to send Dralis on a wild goose chase. They trudged around the swamp for ages, collecting viable goo. Finally, a month later... Okay, what do we do? Well, you take about this much goo... Uh-huh. ...and roll it into a ball. Yeah. Then you roll the rest of the balls. Okay. Then you make them innocent. And how do we do that? Well, you have to put them in a circle and be in the middle, and then you do innocent things in the middle of the circle. Innocent things? Like, not lying? Right, childish things! Okay, any ideas? The little cat man produced, seemingly out of nowhere, his little bag of magic. What have you got in there? Let's see. Uh, my spell book, or the magic dust you gave me, um, a ball of yarn. That's uh, it. My yarn. Give it here. Slaughter unrolled a long piece of yarn and fastened one of her earrings to the middle to weigh it down slightly. She and Fertress finished arranging the blobs of goo in a circle, and then Slaughter tossed the ball of yarn into the middle. Instinctively, Fertress jumped into the circle after it. He lay on his back, flipping the ball of yarn up in the air and chased it around the circle. Slaughter stepped into the circle and started skipping with her makeshift jump rope. After a couple of minutes, the blobs lost the murky green color they had and began turning translucent. That's it! We did it! Are you sure that's enough? Are you sure they don't have to be completely transparent? How would we see them? Besides, let me see your video phone again. See, Dralis is on her way back. I think we should hide. Okay, gather them up. We'll go behind those trees. The two picked up their innocence blobs and hid behind two large trees. Before long, Dralis came down the path with fire in her eyes. When she was in front of them, Slaughter and Fertress jumped out and started pelting her with their innocence blobs. Hey! What the- Keep throwing, Fertress! Why, I'll kill both of you! It's not working! 
Okay. Knock her down. Crutches ran under Dralis's feet, confusing her and turning her around. Slatter ran up behind her and pushed her roughly to the ground. She stood over her, her foot pinning Dralis to the ground by the neck and threw the few remaining innocence blobs into her back. Jill. Jill, let me up. Virtus? I don't know. Her eyes look scary. Dralis? Yes. For the love of Mercury, <laughs> let me up. Promise you won't kill me? What? No, no, I promise, but you've got to help me. You're hurting her! She was evil, remember? Please, Jill. I'm fine now, I promise. That's what evil Dralis would say. Please. Slaughter slowly lifted her foot and let Dralis sit up, rubbing her neck. How do you feel? More innocent? Not too innocent, I hope. Better. Thanks, guys. I can't believe what happened. Oh, Jill, I've done something awful. No kidding, we saw. Thank the gods you weren't there. It wasn't my fault, Slaughter. He he brainwashed me or something. Wait, what? Who did what? William. He sucked my innocence away. What? Sir Lord William Esquire the Third or whatever? That's him. So he must be half Vampiros? Half? Well, he didn't suck your blood. He's probably half. This is terrible. What do we do? Bertrice, can't you bring them back? I could try for you, Dralis. Jeez, she's back one minute and he goes dopey again. No, Dralis, he can't bring them back. We tried. Everyone's vital organs are useless. Oh, yeah. That was pretty messed up, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So what do we do? We've got to do something. I know. And I would have a brilliant plan except for one thing. What's that? We need to have all the bodies intact. The vampiros will take care of that. What do you mean? Don't you remember? They preserve our bodies in the History Museum in the future. Of course. Well, then in that case, I have a brilliant plan. Well, what is it? We have to go see Julie. What is Slaughter's ingenious plan? Is Sir Lord William Esquire III or whatever really half vampiros? Will the flashback live again? Tune in for next week's thrilling episode, Into the Light. In that episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator, Angela Tymon was Dravis Thornfield, Lynn Nelson was Jill Slaughter, Scape White was Fertress Fosbottom. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Mikowski. Excellent, Rory, excellent, and excellent to all of the people in that episode of Epic Echoes. Now, we are up to our next section of the show, which is Where Are They Now in History? And its predecessor, This Day in History. Now, Rory, I, my understanding is you did something special this week. You want to tell us about it? Yes, of course. Uh, now, every time that we've we've missed an episode before, usually there's a fill-in episode, and in that fill-in episode, I'll do the day in history of the fill-in episode. And the other times that we've missed episodes, actually, literally, new episode has come out that day of the podcast. I've, I've made up for it by playing the one that I'd previously recorded on that episode. Now, this week, I hadn't recorded anything for last week, since we knew ahead of time that we weren't going to record one. But I thought, well, I should do something for that week's day in history as well. So what I've done is I've I've taken last week's episode of This Day in History and this week's day of This Day in History, and I've discovered a universe where both events took place. Interesting, interesting. All right, well, let's hear it. Welcome to This Day in History. My name is Roy Sinjin. This is WHRW Binghamton. On February 9, 1950, during a speech in West Virginia, Senator Joseph McCarthy of Wisconsin claims that he has a list with the names of over 200 members of the Department of State that are known communists. The speech sparked a nationwide hysteria about subversives in the American government. Turn up that TV. I want want to watch it while I'm mixing these hazardous chemicals. Oh, do you think that's a good idea? Sure, I can do many things at once. I'm a great multitasker. But those hazardous chemicals are so close to the stew you were planning on making for dinner tonight. I I can keep things balanced. Here, can you hold my glasses for a second? I got something in my eye. Um, but shouldn't you be wearing protective eyewear in case one of them sputters up and hits you in the eye? No, that's ridiculous. That could never happen. Ah! 
Oh, wow, communists! Thus the famous rumor that hearing about communists could cause you to go blind. Unfortunately, it was just merely that they should have worn protective lenses when dealing with hazardous chemicals. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Welcome to This Day in History. My name's Rory Sinjin. On this day in history, February 16, 1959, Fidel Castro is sworn in as Prime Minister of Cuba after leading a guerrilla campaign that forced right-wing dictator Fulgencio Batista into exile. Let's listen. Hey, man, that was some inauguration party, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I am so trash. El Presidente, viva la life. El Presidente. Okay, well, let's uno go. Uno momento, muchachos, uno momento. No drink the tequila when we get into our cars and go home, man. Hey, you are such a downer, man. Just give me the keys. I'm tired. Holy crow, we're bringing in Jamaicans now into this country, man. <laughs> and we didn't have this revolution so we could be told what to do. Start up the car. Let's go. No, man. No, muchachos. Hey, amigos. Hey. Amigos. No drink. Eat. Drive. Amigos. It's bad luck. Every time you drink and drive, the Americans win, man. And of course, it was shortly thereafter that they outlawed all alcohol in Cuba, which did lead to the fall of the entire country. You're listening to WHRW Binghamton. But there's a whole lot more information to come. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Caston West. And what you don't realize is that Joseph McCarthy also had a list of all the communists in Cuba at the time. But because everyone was so worried that they would go blind if they read this list, no one read it. And that's what led to communism taking control in Cuba. But because of all the alcohol consumption on the day when they celebrated Castro's ascension to power, so many people were drinking grain alcohol in completely unchecked amounts that many of the Cuban people went blind as well, which solidified this rumor in history. As soon as you hear about communism, you go blind. But as I said Fidel Castro knew the truth that communism was not the reason everyone went blind and he outlawed alcohol. When McCarthy heard this, he said, do you see what the communists have done? And everyone said, no, we don't see it because we're blind. And he said, no, 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 it's nothing to do with that. They have outlawed alcohol. Any communists who come here can have free alcohol. And of course they did. Communism fell because everybody in that country wanted the free alcohol. So they came to America and Cuba became a desolate wasteland made up of Castro and, uh, you know, his wife. The problem, of course, being that once everybody got here and they all became capitalists, they were still stirring chemicals with no eye protection and they were still drinking and driving. And so everybody died in the long run. This is Rory Sinjin with Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Wow. Wow, that was really well done, Rory. You you got both messages in there. You got both days in history. You 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 really made it a sequel to both at once. It worked very well. Thank you very much. I do appreciate you saying so. Well, I don't I don't know about that, Jordan. I mean, do you really think it was good? Yeah, I said it was good. I, I think it was good. Yeah, but okay. You've got Castro celebrating and then McCarthy reacting to it. McCarthy was dead by that time when, when Castro came to power. I mean, he died in what, fifty seven or something like that? I mean, the McCarthyism was long over. You know, Frank, I, I would have thought that perhaps going out into the world and experiencing the ways of the world and growing as a person would, would have affected you and, and changed you and educated you to some extent. Um, but I was wrong because here you are coming back with the same exact arguments. Again, you're looking at our reality when I'm clearly talking about other realities. I, I specifically said it's another universe. That's how I began this whole segment saying I've discovered a universe. So, you know, obviously it's a different universe. Why are we even talking about this? But uh, even so, you've got this kind of ambiguous thing. Are you saying that alcohol is bad in general? Because then you say when they ban alcohol, that leads to the destruction of Cuba, but when they come to America where they're allowed to drink alcohol, it makes everybody in, in America die. So, so then obviously, alcohol is neither good nor bad, it's just the usage thereof that makes it so. I should think it's pretty self-explanatory. You really weren't able to figure that out, were you? Well, no, I'm, I'm just, okay, no, I'm just saying that is the way it, so it sounds unusual because it's unclear on that. Well, perhaps it's asking questions rather than answering them. Did you ever think of that? Perhaps it wants you to be thoughtful and decide for yourself what the nature of alcohol is, what your stance is on alcohol, Frank. Why don't you answer that question. Well, um, are you are you asking me whether I drink? I mean, 
Is that relevant? Well, perhaps it is. Perhaps the fact that you might be drunk right now, for all we know, could affect how these things work. Well, I'm not drunk right now. Why would you even suggest that? Well, I don't know. I don't know why I would suggest that. Perhaps I have my reasons. What are you talking about? Yeah, Rory, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, then, I guess I just know more than uh, some people do. What is he talking about, Frank? I have no idea. I know what he's talking about. (laughs) What? He's talking about alcohol. (laughs) No, we knew he was talking about alcohol. We don't know why he... Oh, God. All right, let's just move on with our lives. This is going to be, uh, what's next? Tractor Fiction's next, of course. Tractor Fiction, excellent. It's going to be a Halloween episode, right? Because we're so close to Halloween. Well, we're not close to Halloween now, no. When we recorded this, it was close to Halloween, so it's a Halloween episode. Hopefully you all will enjoy it and uh, learn something. Welcome to Tractor Fiction. My name's Frank Allen. You're listening to WHRW uh, Binghamton, where uh, we do Tractor Fiction every single week. It's an amazing thing that we do, where we talk about these religious tracts, and then we uh, discuss them and see whether they're right or not, or something to that effect. The point is, here we are to do that again. Uh, As we uh, record this, it is getting close to the the Halloween uh, time of year, so we do... uh, This is the first of two Halloween tracts we'll be doing this year. This one's called The Devil's Night, uh, which sort of gives away a little bit about the the inside of the tract, but there you are. It's called The Devil's Night. So, uh, let's begin, shall we? Once upon a time, in a supermarket just like the one you shop at on a regular basis, a mother and daughter were walking past a large Halloween display, which featured an enormous rendition of a hideous bloodthirsty vampire. The mother excitedly pointed it out to her daughter. Oh, look, honey! There's Dracula! Oh, he's scary. I don't like this, Mom. Tomorrow, we'll go buy you a spooky costume. I just love Halloween, Buffy. It's my favorite holiday. The next day in the local school, Buffy's teacher, too, was excited for the holiday. Today, we'll draw Halloween pictures. And tomorrow, you'll come to school in costumes. I'll be a witch! I'll come as a werewolf! Mrs. Hen, can I draw spiders? (laughs) Well, Miss Hen. It looks like all your kids love Halloween. Not all, Mr. Harvey. I've got a stone in my shoe named Lil Susie. That self-same Lil Susie was at home that very minute with her crusty old eye-patched grandpa talking about Mrs. Hen behind her back. Grandpa, Miss Hen wants all of us to wear costumes tomorrow, and I won't dress up like a witch. Well, Miss Hen is an authority, and you must obey her. But Susie... There's all kinds of costumes. (laughs) The next day, in class, Mrs. Hen is all decked out in full witch regalia. Ah, you're all in costume. Wonderful! Now I want each of you to stand before the class to be judged. I've got a prize for the winner. Look at Nancy Jones. That's a marvelous witch costume, Nancy. Not as quite as nice as mine, but very nice all the same. Next! What? What is the meaning of this? That's not a Halloween costume, Susie. Little Susie was dressed in a full Santa outfit. But it is a costume. I hate this little brat. Later, Susie ran into Buffy. You know, the girl who was scared of Dracula at the beginning of the story, but has not come up since then. Yeah, that's the one. Wow, Ms. Hem was really mad at you today, Susie. That's because she knows I hate Halloween. I don't like it either, because it's so spooky. But my mom loves it. She watched all the vampire shows. 
but they upset me. I I'm afraid of ugly things like ghosts, monsters, and spiders. Why is Halloween like that, Susie? Because it belongs to the devil, Buffy. It's his night, and all the witches love it. Oh, that's awful! How did it get like that? My grandpa explained it to me this way. He said it started back in old England. They didn't know God, and the people lived in fear. The pagan priests were in control. These men were totally evil. They were deep into the occult, and they were priests of Satan. It was a terrible time in history. Today, kids celebrate Halloween on October thirty-first, but back then it was a horrible night. The pagan priests thought that Semen, the Lord of Death, called back all the souls of the dead who had entered into animals. They believed those souls visited their families for a few hours. The people were terrified. They lit huge fires, put on masks and animal costumes, and danced around the fires to drive the evil spirits away. Oh, Susie, I'm so glad I didn't live back then. But what about trick or treat? That's when it started, Buffy. Here's how they did it: pagan priests would go to house to house, demanding an offering of food for their gods. We have no food. Let's take the child. The trick was to take their kid for human sacrifice. Help me. They left something like a pumpkin with a face on it to show that no one else would be harmed there. Yuck! Is that how Halloween got started? Yes, Buffy. It wasn't a fun time. It was a night of horror. I'm glad that doesn't go on anymore. But it does, Buffy. What? You mean like? Real sacrifices? Yes, real Buffy. Every year, cops find dead cats and dogs that were sacrificed for Halloween. That's horrible, Susie. But not kids, right? Lots of kids disappear before Halloween, Buffy. Remember those satanic priests? Well, there's people today serving Satan just as bad as they were. That's why kids have to be so careful just before Halloween. They should never go off by themselves or go anywhere with a stranger. Are there lots of witches, Susie? Are you kidding? Teens everywhere are going into white and black witchcraft, and both really serve the devil. You know God hates witchcraft, but witches don't care. When they die, they'll all end up in hell. Thank God, my grandpa told me about Jesus, so I won't be in hell with them. Who are you talking about, Susie? Jesus, Buffy. Who is Jesus? When my mom swears, she keeps saying that name, but I don't know anything about him. Is he real? He's very real, Buffy. He's in heaven right now, getting ready to come back and rule the world. Tell me more, Susie. Jesus created everything, Buffy. He made the entire universe, heaven, the angels, and you and me. Wow! Then Jesus was God, right? Right. But now here's where the old devil comes in. One rotten angel wanted to rule heaven. He turned a bunch of angels against God, and they all got kicked out of heaven. They ended up on earth, and their leader was Satan, the old devil himself. When God created Adam and Eve, they were perfect. God let them run the earth. The devil was jealous. He tricked them into disobeying God. That ruined their lives and ours. Adam and Eve became sinners, and God pulled away. The devil moved in and took over. Now we're all sinners, and it stops us from getting into heaven. 
No sinners allowed. There was nothing we could do to get rid of our sins. That's terrible! But God the Father asked Jesus to help us, and he agreed. So he left heaven to come here and save us. Jesus taught us love and forgiveness. But the devil turned the people against him, because it was Jesus who threw him out of heaven. Jesus was arrested, beaten, and nailed to a cross for our sins. The devil loved it. The Lord Jesus shed his precious blood, because only God's blood could wash away our sins. He died, and three days later he arose from the dead. The devil lost. Jesus opened the doors to heaven. That's beautiful. But how do I get into heaven? Believe Jesus died for you. Pray and ask him to forgive your sins, to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior. Buffy did just that, and she got saved. I'm not afraid anymore. I feel wonderful. I wish I could reach out to other kids for Jesus. I'm going to reach lots of kids on Halloween night, Buffy. How? What we do is really neat. We know the devil and his witches love to see kids go trick-or-treating because Halloween pulls them into witchcraft. The devil hates the story of Jesus, so Grandpa and I fill plastic bags with candy and we put little tracts inside that tell about Jesus, just like the one we're in right now, because we're fighting for their souls. That Halloween, Susie did just as she said and gave out chick tracts with amazingly compelling arguments for giving your life, will, and money over to Jesus or his spokesman. Trick or treat! There's comics in here. They'll show you how to go to heaven. Cool! Thanks! God bless you. And uh, that's the end of the tract, uh, The Devil's Night, uh, which is about which is about the Devil's Night. Uh, well, which is about Halloween, and supposedly it's the Devil's Night. So, um, now we're going to find out if it really is the Devil's Night. We're going to have a debate. That's what we like to do here. I don't actually have a coin. Does anybody got a coin while we uh, introduce our people that we introduce? Um, first of all, once again, I remind everybody that this is a, this is a highly prepared, well-prepared, uh, debate show where we have, uh, people who are preparing for their debates months sometimes in advance. I think this is, since this is a Halloween debate, more than likely they've been preparing since last Halloween. Uh, but the point is, uh, they know their stuff. You can trust, uh, I'm sure at least one of the people on this, uh, show. And so, uh, let's introduce, uh, debater number one. Hello. Hi there. Uh, may I ask your name? Yes, yes, yes. My name is, is, is... Is Bridget Smith. Bridget Smith. Yes. Nice to meet you. And uh, may I ask uh, what you're? I I am I am Suzanne's therapist now. Suzanne. She little Susie. Oh, yes. Okay. She's much um, older now. Well, good. Good. I'm glad you're here. And I'm uh, slightly disturbed. Let me introduce uh, debater number two. Hi. Hi, debater number two. Uh, may I ask your name? My name's Buffy. I'm one of the other little girls in the track. Susie's friend. Remember? Oh, and you're grown up now? Yeah. How long ago did this take place? Oh, this took place, like, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago? All right, well, uh, let's find out the uh, fact of the matter here. Okay, uh, as I'm sure you could tell, uh, Bridget Smith believes that this tract is 100% true, and uh, Buffy over there says it's false. Interesting, which is very interesting, because uh, Buffy was, of course, the recipient of the, the Jesus information. Yeah, but um, I was like six at the time. Well, okay. Well, let's uh, tell me about. Tell me. I think you're older than six. Well, maybe not. I don't know how old you are. You tell me how old you are, and why don't you begin by telling us why this tract is uh, completely not true? Well, like I said, I was six at the time, and I, I mean, little kids believe everything they hear, especially from their grandparents and their friends. I mean, Susie's grandfather told her about Jesus, and you know, he's old and respectable, and 
Who wouldn't believe him? I mean, he's not candy. It's true. And, you know, she told to me. She's my best friend. So, I mean, naturally, I believed her. I mean, best friends don't lie to each other, you know? Well, that that's an interesting point. Um, all right, well, what do you, what do you have to say, uh, Bridget? Well, you see, the thing is that Satan is very real and has, in fact, driven Suzanne insane for trying so hard to defeat him. Okay, so you say Satan's real. Oh, yes. This is your... Medical opinion? No, yes. I'm sorry. Are you a are you a are you a a doctor of medicine or just a psychologist? A, a, a psychoanalyst. Psychoanalyst. Yes. So do you have a doctorate? Um, I, you don't always need a doctorate for these. Do things. you have a master's degree? I I believe I'm very masterful at what I do. Yes. Do you have a bachelor's degree? <laughs> I'm I am I'm a woman. How can I be a bachelor? Did you get out of high school? And I mean graduate high school, not get out of high school. You can do these things at home. Yes. Did you finish middle school? Excuse me, where are we going with this? See, like, I do believe I mean. we were discussing how Satan has taken over this poor woman's <coughs> mind. Yeah, and see, I took biology class. We learned evolution, and there is no such thing as God and Jesus. Like, well, if they, you had hold gone on, to eighth grade, you'd know that. So they, oh, sorry. We I, have switched topics. <laughs> they, they taught you in school that there's no such thing as God. Well, not necessarily that there wasn't God, but, I mean, we took... They explained evolution to us, how we evolved from apes. Which automatically means there's no God. Do you see how Satan is taking over the world? Excuse me. Using Halloween. No I don't know. As his Satan. holiday. Wow. Yes. All right, well, we do have an expert, I think, who wants to say something about this. Hello. Hello, who's this? Satan. I have taken over Susie's body. Oh, you're... Suzanne, Suzanne, calm down. Little Susie. Calm down. Little Susie. Suzanne, calm down. Okay, so that's Susie Do you want possessed. the Thorazine again? No, Thorazine. All right, then Exorcism. Oh, no, settle down. Why settle would down. Satan ask for an exorcism? That's the only thing that will cure her is what I'm saying. Yeah, Susie. Thank you for that information. Susie, Suzanne. What are you, Superman <laughs> walking around going, this kryptonite, exorcism insert is, here? What? Is a Catholic's... Form of of seducing you into Catholicism. Sit down. Hold on, hold I on, hold on. Candy. Hold on a second, Susie. Satan, you're gonna have to wait your turn. I have a question what? for this therapist. Yes. You say Satan is real. Yes. But Christianity's not. No, no, Catholicism. Oh, Catholicism. Okay. Is fake. And is another one of Satan's tools, and that is where exorcism comes from. So it is Thorazine for you, young lady. So you believe no that Satan has possessed her. But that Thorazine will get Satan out of her. I'm gonna eat your face! <laughs> Off my face. She's not possessed by Satan. No, I'm she's sorry, possessed by me. her boyfriend. I'm sorry, Satan's her boyfriend? What? <laughs> oh, right. Or her boyfriend is controlling her body in some way. I'm no, she's so obsessed with her boyfriend, and she doesn't want anyone to know that she's not following the pure little righteous path to God, that she's blaming everything she does on Satan and just going over the top. Buffy, how could you? <laughs> Susan, this is true. You're ridiculous. Stop. Su Su Susie. Susie. Yeah? Did you have relations with your boyfriend? What kind of relations? Susan! Physical, physical, sexual contact. You mean no. like hand-holding? No, no, Susie. Susie. Grandpa? I, th I think you're old enough for Grandpa, to understand. When, when, a man, <laughs> when a man and a woman love each other very much. Ew, Grandpa! <laughs> oh, no, hold on. This, this is certainly be... not traumatizing her any less. I don't think, yeah, I don't think no. this show is the place for that Suzanne's sort of a talk. Grandfather. Hopefully you can have that talk with her um, elsewhere when we're gone. Because Please. we don't want to hear it. But, Please, yes. okay, 
Look, that does kind of, I must say, that sort of hurts your argument. Not in the slightest. Well, no, it doesn't. She still has visions of Satan. Yeah, that's what she goes out and parties every weekend and takes, like, E and other, like, stuff. Um, Buffy? You told me that was Tylenol. You know, the Satan thing goes away pretty quickly when somebody says something bad about you. Suzanne, I can't help it! <laughs> That's we, interesting. We need to discuss this further, Suzanne. <laughs> well, it sounds like, yeah, discussing her flaws really gets Satan right out of her, so that's probably the best technique to cure uh, her, I think. Here, yep. I, I, if I, oh, if I an may, expert. Um, I, I'm your local Satanist representative. My name is Mephistopheles. I'm, yeah. I'm not actually... Uh, oh, how distasteful! Uh, I'm not actually Ouch. a big guy himself, see. Just, uh... Okay. I, I hey, wanna, man, what's up? I, I just I just have to let you know from your your local Satan representative, you know, your local sin houses. This 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 girl is, is in no way, shape, or form affiliated with us. Okay. This is Saint Satan, man. So this is not Satan. Satan. All no. right. Well, I have a question for you thank, while you're here. You. No, but while you're oh. here, I have a question. How many uh, children has your group uh, taken? We're getting close to Halloween now. Hundreds, man. Hundreds. Oh. Hundreds. We're, and, we're Satanists, man. So you got lots of hundreds of kids, and you're planning. Oh, yeah. Lots of kid sacrifices and uh, animal. Uh, generally, we don't uh, we don't sacrifice the kids. But we do bite some heads off rats every once in a while. Makes okay, us, well, makes us feel tough. So why do you take all the kids before Halloween then, if you're not going to kill them? Excuse me a minute. Oh wait! Oh, you're gone. Oh, oh, we, we, that's okay. We have another expert, so we'll just. Well, um, I just have a commentary about mischief on Halloween. The uh, it all gets accused of Satan worshippers, but there are a lot of people that like to hurt kids on Halloween that aren't affiliated with Satan at all. There are oh, okay. a lot of us that are just jerks. Oh, so you you do hurt kids as well? Yes, but that you're is, not a Satanist. You have Satan in your heart. Lady, there is you gotta no give me a little more credit than that, Satan. lady. I mean, can I ask what your religious, uh, what your religious affiliation is while you're hurting these kids? Um, Feel when he when he's not hurting them. I don't know. I'm I'm atheist. I think I think if there's any, uh, if I if I get affiliated with any religion at all, it'll bring me to some kind of enlightenment, and I don't want to risk that. That makes sense. That makes sense. So you just hurt kids, kind of going. Oh, I don't need to hurt these kids for any deity or or yeah, or, uh, keep busy, you know? deity. I just like to. It makes yeah. sense. Satan's no wannabe. Well, doesn't he want to be Susie, God? Susie, shut up. Okay, <laughs> okay. So I've, I've I've conferred with the group. I conferred with the Satanist group, and uh, we've decided that that uh, we we don't take kids. You don't take kids at all. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can't scare kids. Um, who else comes over on Halloween? We don't want this guy. This guy's not affiliated with us either. Well, he's not a Satanist. Yeah, yeah. This guy couldn't bite a half a rat if he tried. Excuse me, I gotta go uh, shoot something up to feel really? tough. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go home and bite a rat tonight just to show you wrong, okay? Oh, oh, that's some strong words. Uh, Buffy, why don't you give us your closing arguments? Like I said, there's no such thing as God. There's no such thing as Satan. You can't use Susie as proof because, hi, she's in a mental asylum. Do you have any she's evidence of insane. the no- non-existence of God or Satan? Have you looked at the fossil record? I mean, come on. And the fact that there is no Satan fossil proves that there's no Satan? Is that what you're trying yeah, to say? Just exactly. Ridiculous. I okay. mean... When was the last time you found a, a human skeleton with a f- tail? Well, I've never found a, a dinosaur skeleton either. There you go. But that means but no, no one ever has. Oh, that's true. All right. Well, uh, and uh, Bridget, your closing well, argument. This is this is simply ridiculous. I have been seeing I think Suzanne. Like, you're ridiculous for a very long time. She is obviously unwell. <laughs> that is not the sound of a well girl. But how does that prove that this tract is true? She is unwell because she has brought so many children to the service of Jesus. Look, you know, I, I don't know if I don't... I mean, I guess I'm going to have to be the one to state the obvious, but don't you think maybe she only said those things because she was already crazy? That's what I'm talking about. 
<laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's so much Satan in this room. I was momentarily possessed. That's pretty convincing, isn't it? Satan, I, must, I, I haven't been possessed yet. You clearly are. Hence, well, I think, the yeah, Valley I think, Girl they think accent. You are. Excuse me? They think I don't you are think possessed. So, You're saying things that they think are you know, untrue. No, come to that. I'm not possessed either. What's up with that? All right. Well, look, here we go. It's come down to that final moment where I decide exactly who won this <laughs> debate. Oh, my goodness gracious. Bridget Smith won. Of course. Of course. Clearly. Buffy. What? I'm sorry. Uh, apparently, there are fossils with humans. <laughs> And, uh, uh-huh. I cast the right. devil out of everyone in this room. In the name of Jesus, I cast Satan out. Ooh, oh my God, mm. let me out. Uh, you're Satan? <laughs> she cast Satan proof? out and you're like, I got to get out. All right, this you is, know what? Thank you, for, thank you for listening to Tractor Fiction tonight. I hope you all learned something about, gosh, something. But we're still going to talk about Halloween next week. So maybe, uh, maybe we're not quite 100% settled on the whole Halloween issue, even if we are settled on the fossil record of Satan, apparently. Um, all right, thank you for listening. Uh, it's Frank Allen saying goodbye. That episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Anna Call, Guinevere Eckert, Lynn Nelson, Daniel Schwartz, Samuel Thomason, Jacob Thompson, Angela Tymon, Devin White, and Jordan D. White. Thank you, Rory. Thank you very much. Now, before we go any further, I want to do something very special. I said we didn't have time for a scabby story, and we don't. But we do have time for something very quick. Something we won't even have a theme song for. I, I said that because I could do a theme song. Maybe, okay, maybe we'll do a very, very brief theme song. But here's what we're going to do. Because Frank Allen is so down on his luck, and we do feel bad, we, we wanted to try to do something to help. So, Frank, I got you a gift. Oh, you know, well, you know Jordan, you didn't have to do that. No, I, I know, but I again, I felt kind of bad that you... I, I mean, I granted, you kind of deserved what you got. Whoa. But at the same time, I I do feel bad. Because, like I said, you don't have a job. You're, you have an apartment. But I, how long are you going to be able to afford that without a job? Oh, you know, we, we felt bad for you. So I figured uh, this will be my treat to you. Is it, hopefully you'll enjoy it. Well, that's very nice of you. What What is it? Well, I took my own money and I bought you an extra historical reading from Rory. What? You bought- yes, and it was very good of him to do. I did give him a discount because I know him. So, you know, that, that was very nice of me as well. In a way, then the gift is partially from me as well. But, yes, you have an extra historical reading. So, let's get right to it, shall we? Skate, did you want to do us a little extra historical reading theme song? No, I, but wait, I don't want a, th- I don't want a theme song. I don't want to read well, it. I, it was a gift, Frank. You, you're going to refuse my gift? And, yes, and there are no refunds. So, even if you do refuse it, the money's gone. Or you could give him his money back. I, you, look, it's a policy. I can't break the policy. I've already given him a discount. I'm supposed to now break the policy just because he's my friend. Well, I would think, I would hope that you would, but at the same time, I, even more, I would hope that Frank would accept the gift that I gave him. Oh, oh God. Jordan, why did you... Let's get this, let's get this over with fast. Well, it has to be fast because A, I, I didn't have enough money for a, a full length reading. It's just a, a short reading, you know, and B, you know, we, we don't have that long of a show. So, so let's get right to it. Uh, Escape, go ahead. Extra history, extra history. Did you know? Did you know? No, you didn't because it's in another universe. You didn't know it, did you? Thank you for that introduction, uh, I suppose. Now, let's get right to it, Frank. What has been going on in your life recently that you wanted to know about in other universes? Well, you already know everything that's going on in my... We did a a, a, a bit at the beginning, whose name I don't want to say, about me. I did, I, okay, fine, look. We'll take it as read that I know about what's going on in your life. I was just, you know, this is a traditional thing. Well, we don't have to go through that. Fine, 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 fine. fine. All right, so let's, as, we, as we, we all know, you've had a, a large business venture that failed. And now you are, have no job, 
and you are worried about getting kicked out of your apartment, things like that. You don't have enough money to eat, so, you know, you have to scrounge. But let me tell you about another universe I know. Okay. There's a universe where when you got all of that money, rather than turning on your friends, telling them off, you, you shared your joy with them. You said to them, I, I've, I've, I've received all this money and uh, I, don't, I don't even know what to do with it, but I, I think I'm going to try to do in, important things, you know, start a media conglomeration, etc., etc. Um, is there anything that, that you guys would be interested in helping me out with? And then your friends um, in that world who in that world are also, you know, us, Jordan and Rory, uh, said, well, we can absolutely help with that sort of thing. Jordan says, I can help with the entertainment staff. Rory said, I can help with the historical staff. Scape says, I can, you know, sing sometimes. And the, the four of you all together, uh, you know, did join Allen Industries. And basically, over time, it becomes a really large, uh, competitive media conglomerate with lots of success in all things. It's successful in the news corporation front, which is headed by you, successful in the entertainment part, spearheaded by Jordan, successful in its historical endeavors, spearheaded by the alternate version of me, successful in music, not spearheaded by Scape, of course, but featuring him as a singer who becomes very popular. And you go on uh, continuing to be really incredibly rich because it's so profitable and it's successful. And you are incredibly appealing to women as well. Um, and so, you know, they are basically women throwing themselves all over you at all times. And, and at first, you know, you're just excited by this. You, you're with a different one every night, you know, things like that. But over time, you actually meet one that you have a, a deep personal connection to and you stay, you want to be with her um, forever. So you ask her to marry her. Um, her name is Antoinette. And you and Antoinette uh, do get married. You're, you're very happy. You have three children. I thought, right now, Rory, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is supposed to be the, the purpose of extra history, usually extra historical readings, is to make the person feel better about their reality because there's another reality that's worse. Oh, yes, yes, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. Okay, good. I could, because so far, you just, seems like you're rubbing it in. No, 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 no. I'm still getting to that. So you have three children, um, and again, they grow up and they are, are quite successful, um, and you live, you're living in, into your, your 80s and your 90s at this point. The three children are going on to become incredibly successful people. One of them, one of them actually does become the president of the United States of America. Oddly enough, it's it's a woman. Uh, so she's not the first president who, who's a woman, but she becomes the third. Her name was Irene Allen. But the problem, of course, being that uh, in, when you are, in fact, 95, you have a heart attack and you die. What? No, how's that? That's a... But, but, but everything before that was good. Yes, but in that universe, you die. I mean... I'm, I'm gonna die in this universe too. Yes, but you haven't already, and in, in, in that one you do. I do in the future. I haven't died there now. I'm, I, I, I live to be 90, what'd you say, 90, 99? That's really old. And I have children who's, the president, I, I'm successful and I'm rich and I am in love. That's a better universe. That's, you're saying if I had done good things, I would have good things. But then you would die. Dying is bad. Yes, but. Rory. Rory, I'm going to have to go with him on this. this. This is not a comforting universe. Thank you. All right, fine. Well, leaving aside for a moment that, that there was a universe like that, um, there's also one where all the same stuff is true. Then how is it going to be? Just just hold on. All the same stuff is true, but when you're on your, your deathbed uh, um, with that heart attack, you, the pain's happening. Your wife says, oh, by the way, I cheated on you, and all the children aren't yours. And Jordan says, by the way, I, I, all the business decisions you've ever made have been terrible, and I've been secretly changing them all. And I say, I've always been better than you, and everyone knows it, and we've all been humoring you for years. And Scape sings a song about being happy that you're dead and and so and so you learn that your whole life was a sham well oh that's okay I, I that's i mean that's a little bad but i still got a lot of money and women and oh and okay well in addition there's also a universe where all of that stuff happened too but then at the last minute before you die uh you find out that you you in a, a mental institution that you never won the money and it was all a really big hallucination and you are overdosing on heroin and you die right then and there well, how did I, what, how did I get on heroin in a mental institution? That's, it's a long story. It's a really long, complicated story. Wow.
Well, wait, no. Why am I even? No, this is all nonsense. This is all nonsense. Jordan, I, I you know, I, I, I thank you for thinking of me and wanting to give me a gift, but I hope you didn't waste too much money. On well, I know, like I said, I mean, I got the, the cheapest version possible, which is like the five minute reading. So it was only a few hundred dollars. It didn't set me back too, too badly. And, and, and I did give him a discount. So normally it would be a little bit more. I'm sorry. Did you, I'm sorry. Did you say a few? Did you say a few hundred dollars? Yeah, because it was the sh- it was the shortest reading. It was a really short reading. And even that, I think I did go a little bit over. I, I don't think I should have gone on so long. I could have bought food with a, a few hundred dollars, you know. It would have maybe been a little more effective in my life. It's, but it's, you can't, you can't, I mean, you can't say that my gift wasn't good. I got you a gift. But it could have eaten more food. Frank, it's a, you, that's a, you're like looking a gift horse in the mouth. You, I would like to eat a horse. What? Okay, let's... What, I don't know what... Frank's gone mad. Let's move on with our lives. What's what's the last episode of a show we have today? Oh, yes. It's Like Daughter. Hopefully you all will enjoy Like Daughter. It's getting weird. Episode 2, Thou Shalt Not Kill, by Charles H. Berman. Pandora Claire Darling had been trying to restore to her life some semblance of equilibrium in recent days. After her existence was shattered by the revelation that her mother was a hardened killer fighting an evil conspiracy that might or might not exist, the respective tragic deaths of many of her family members, including said mother and her former best friend's abrupt abandonment of her, Pandy had been more than slightly distraught. For weeks, she had looked forward to her homecoming date with the school pariah, social anxiety sufferer, and savior of her life, Bobby Kurtzman, as a wonderful dramatic return to the world of her friends that would usher her back into tranquil normality. Now, however, that dream was destroyed. Pandora Darling could not seem to escape the reach of the forces that had turned her existence upside down. And she found herself wondering who had kidnapped Bobby as she found herself chauffeuring around the history teacher, local sex symbol, and evangelical Christian who had just revealed himself to be a cold-blooded killer, Thomas Nielsen.
Oh my god, Mr. Nielsen, you just killed that man! I know, thrilling, isn't it? I know you tried to do it too. Is there anything more exciting, Pandora? Exciting? That's murder! You're the one who kept telling me I'd go to hell for committing murder in my heart. I'm pretty sure that if that's true, you'll go for committing it in a minivan. <laughs> Not if you're absolved, Pandora. The greatness of God is in his forgiveness. How can we confess our sins if we have nothing to confess? How can we be pardoned and granted entrance into the kingdom of heaven if we have nothing to pardon? I know killing is frowned upon by our politically correct society, but we're only bringing people closer to God. The more chance they have to repent, the more glorious God can be in his mercy. The more we trespass against others, the more chance each of us has to forgive those who trespass against them, and thereby ascend triumphantly into the arms of our Lord and Savior. We must sin in order to be pardoned. We must be pardoned in order to be received. Needless to say, though, we can't really advertise our ideas much. Mr. Nielsen, this is unbelievable! I know! I couldn't believe it either when I first heard about it, but based on our conversation a few weeks ago, and especially what happened today, I think you're ready to join us. Us? That's right. I suppose you could think of us as our own sect. We call ourselves Christians Absolving Sinful Kindnesses. We usually meet in my basement. It's that house over there. We all set up a time for after the dance, since a few of us were going to be tied up there. You can come on in and attend your first meeting if you're inclined to become a member. Alternately, if you don't want to join, we could use you to help boost our own expiation potentials. What do you mean? Oh, sending you directly on to God so he and his mercy can have something substantial of which to absolve us. It's really a win-win. Anyway, we can start this evening by begging forgiveness for the theft of the van. Could I have a word with you in private? Certainly, Gloria. Hello? Listen, Tabby, it's me. I need to talk to you. No, Pandia, I don't think you do. I didn't think I could take any more of you before, but today was just the icing on the cake. Good? Wait, Bobby's been kidnapped. What? Oh my god, who could- And so have I. Oh, is Bobby with you? No, I'm at Mr. Nielsen's house. He's locked me in the van that belongs to your favorite band, who also happen to have been the people who kidnapped your crush. I hope you're still happy with their perfect vision of the world as it should- Wait, I have to go. I see him coming back. Get the police over here and see if Caleb and Special K are still anywhere around the school. Bye. Well, golly, Pandora. I've just learned some interesting things about you. It seems your late mother was single-handedly responsible for the deaths of four of our founding members, and she didn't even give them time to repent. You were right when you said she was sick. It also seems that you agreed to collaborate with her on a number of operations. <laughs> I'm sorry, but although I'm sure most of us would love to spend time sinning with you in multiple ways. We just can't trust you not to kill us and take all the repentance for yourself. We can't afford to have mercy. Cover, Gloria. She seemed to think we were part of some kind of international conspiracy, something to do with Jehovah's Witnesses, as if we'd spend any time with them in this world or the next. She was almost a single-handed catalyst for the foundation of that new Jehovah's Witness protection program, which is one accomplishment to her name, I suppose. I think I'd go for an old-fashioned communal sacrifice today, Gloria. Get everyone in on the absolution. Oh, absolutely. We can clear off the altar in the basement. Let go of me! Protesting madly, Pandora was taken to a small cell that looked as if it had been hastily converted from a poorly maintained broom closet before being briefly inhabited by dozens of unfortunate victims of Christians absolving sinful kindnesses. However, unable and now strangely unwilling to divest herself of the rigid training that her late mother Hope had instilled in her, Pandora had equipped her legs that morning with a convenient set of materials for picking locks 
of all kinds. Unnerved by her own equanimity at being locked in a small closet by a secret cabal of serial killers, many of whom she knew personally, Pandora removed the comically simple handcuffs around her wrists, broke out of the closet, and left through the front door. After overhearing Mr. Nielsen's assembling sinners in the basement, hotly debating whether to sacrifice her while wearing goat masks or Knights Templar costumes. Overcoming certain negative associations she had developed with the vehicle, she entered the Caleb and Special K van and headed back down Mozart Street. She had only advanced a few feet when she was pulled over by a lone police car. Please exit the vehicle, miss. Uh, what can I do for you, officer? Officer Orson S. Interpolitansky at your service, miss. Defender of victims and persecutor of perpetrators. Warrior for right, blight of crime, champion of the innocent, bane of the guilty, boon to justice. Yes, I know what the police are. Is there anything I can do for you, or are you eventually going to start doing your job and investigate the house down the street? Well, miss, I've had an anonymous report and over the telephone indicating something to the effect that somewhere on Mozart Street there was a large yellow van with Caleb and Special K written on the side, and that the driver was a kidnapper. Now, miss, I ask you, taking all this into consideration, thinking with a rational mind, exerting all one's efforts into the accurate maintenance of our country's laws. How would you, were you in my position, proceed to invest- I'd go down the street to number 36 because that's where the kidnapper lives. I'm the one who was kidnapped. I just escaped from him. That call was from my friend. As an impartial officer of the law, it is my solemn and sworn duty to investigate all possible explanations for a state of affairs. But I think that at this juncture, it would be wisest for me, a defender of the downtrodden at all times, to ask you to allow me to enter the relevant vehicle at this time so that I might conduct a thorough search. Officer, I'm trying to save someone who actually has been kidnapped. I feel compelled to inquire, miss, about the presence of a bloody corpse so degradingly strewn across the back seat of this. Hello? That policeman you instructed so brilliantly thinks I'm the kidnapper, and he's seen the body in the back of the car. So now- Body? Yes, the drummer Mr. Nielsen shot. Well, he was really ruining their sound anyway. Tabby, I'm being chased by the police! Okay, where are you? I'm just coming near to the school. Okay, lead him here. I know Caleb is still somewhere on campus. If that story you were telling me is true, then he's the one that must have kidnapped Bobby. If! Fine, it's looking pretty true. I see the van. Come through the after-hours gate. Okay, talk to you in a minute. Candy! God, I'm so sorry. You were right the whole time. Don't worry about it, Tabby. I'm just glad that- Excuse me, ladies. Pardon my rude interruption. But in the fulfillment of my duties, I feel compelled to interject at this moment. My name, young lady, by the way, is Officer Orson S. Interpolitansky at your service. Defender! Before you take any action, officer, I'd like to see some credentials. Certainly, miss. Certainly. Only allow me a few moments to retrieve a complete CV from my vehicle. That's fine, we'll wait. Is this guy for real? He can't be. I can't really read his car in the dark, but I can tell that doesn't say Carousel Police. Well, yeah. How big a rock have you been living under? My mother died, Tabby. Yeah, sorry. 
Carousel has been hiring private police to bolster the force. That's a terrible idea. Jason Brandt came up with it. Don't ever believe you don't deserve a police force just because you can't afford to train one. That explains a lot. Come on, let's start searching the campus while Officer What's-His-Name looks for his resume. Let's try the history rooms and computer labs first, in case Bobby escaped them. What makes you think you know better where he would go? Where do you think he would go? <sighs> history rooms and computer labs, come on. And Tabby, I can understand how you got upset. I heard enough of your Caleb worship over the years to know it must have been a dream come true when they asked to come. Thanks, Pandy. I don't know if I could take any more of this. I looked up to Caleb more than anyone else in the world. If you listened to their music, you'd never believe they could do something so awful. I mean, when I read Bobby's blog and found out he liked them, too. Free CD came with one of Brand's tapes. I know. Limited issue, rare live recording of The Problem to Answers. Pandy, do you think Caleb was always an evil conspirator, even when he was with Susan? Susan? Caleb and Susan Crumb, the greatest musical couple in history. Mmm, sounds like it. I don't know how much of what my mother believed was true, but I know there are people out there doing some terrible things, and they're associated with those letters C-A-S-K. She died trying to stop them. I guess the least I could do for her now is to fight them here. Oh. What's that? It's Caleb's first song. The key to the world. The key to the world is harmony. The key to a world of bliss. The key to the world is listen to me. And we'll all think just like this. I still think they kind of suck. Pandy, that was the most... Hi, guys! Bobby! Bobby! We thought you were kidnapped, and the whole time you were sitting there on the internet? I was kidnapped. I was just making sure I updated my blog about it. This is the most exciting thing that's happened to me since the last few times I was kidnapped. You blogged about it? I can't wait to read it. Bobby, I don't know if the best way to fight a secret international conspiracy is to write about it on the internet. If I weren't so glad that you, sir... How did you manage to escape anyway, Bobby? Well, I knew Caleb was in with Jason Brandt, and that made it pretty easy for me to convince him I was on his side. I still remember everything from Jason's tapes. Can you imagine Jason really doesn't believe any of that? So Caleb just let you go? Well, I had to promise to spy on you for him. It was really interesting. There's a whole code, you see, like in ham radio, so... Bobby, I'm sure that's really fascinating, but we kind of have to go right now because I'm being chased by a freelance policeman who thinks it was me who shot the drummer from Caleb and Special K. Well... Caleb said you shot the whole rest of the band. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a member of an international evil conspiracy happened to be the lying kind, Bobby. Yeah, I guess you're right, Pandy. We need to find a back exit to the school. We left that policeman at the front putting together some kind of portfolio for us to prove his credentials. You sure this guy's dangerous? Yes, very sure. Put up your hands, please. I'm not afraid to fire. It has come to my attention in recent minutes from certain extremely reliable sources that you, sir... And you, ladies, have been associating, of late, to an inordinate degree with members of an evil international conspiracy known as CASK. For this, and for the knowledge contained in your implant chips, you will have to die. Who is Orson S. Interpolitansky? What does his resume say? And what are his motives? Will he kill our intrepid heroes? Who is the mysterious Caleb? What must Bobby do for him? Will Mr. Nielsen's sinful club ever be found out? You have a chance of finding out the answers to some of these questions in next week's episode of Like Daughter, Cask. 
and ye shall receive. In that episode of Like Daughter, the narrator was Charles Berman, Pandora Darling was Guinevere Eckert, Tabby was Ava Rosenblatt, Bobby Kurtzman was Jordan D. White, Mr. Nielsen was Daniel Schwartz, Principal Mondi was Magdalena Richards, and Officer Interpolitansky was Rob Glass. The theme song was by Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Rory. And now we have just about enough time to do our mail segment. Listener mail, that is. Scape, would you like to sing us a song summarizing life as we know it before we get to this piece of mail? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I got a little start in my suit. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Just tell me what am I supposed to do. I got a stone that hurts my foot, but maybe. It's tracking me. What, what, what? I don't like it. I don't like that stone in my shoe. No, 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 no. Thank you for that. We do have one piece of mail, uh, and we do have only one piece of mail. So help us remedy that, good listener, by writing into us at castandwax at gmail.com so that next week we will have more than one piece of mail. So write into us, castandwax at gmail.com. But for now, we do have this one piece of mail. It's for Mr. Rory Sinjin. Frank, do you want to read it for me? Uh, sure, I guess. Uh, dear Rory. I know it's been a while since we've talked, but I'm sure you'll forgive me when I let you know my big news. I'm writing to you on the podcast because I want to tell the entire world. I want everyone to hear. This feeling inside of me won't stay quiet and contained. I've met someone, the kindest, sweetest, most romantic man in the entire world, and he's asked me to marry him. I've said yes. Now, I know this might be hard for you. After all, my separation from your father was anything but pleasant. But please understand, I haven't felt like this in, well, ever. There, I said it. Nobody's ever made me feel the way he makes me feel, not your father. Father, not my high school crush, not any of the men I've met in the whole of my life. I'm so happy. I haven't stopped smiling in weeks, and you know how out of character that is for me. We've scheduled the wedding for the 15th of August. Needless to say, you're invited. You and all of your waxwork friends, even the darling little cat. Don't worry about airfare. Your father-to-be insists on paying for everything. We're sparing no expense. He says that nothing's too good for our union. I can barely wait for the ceremony, though, in truth, it's the wedding night I'm most excited for. <laughs> Goodness, listen to me. Like a little schoolgirl, I feel so young, and my life is so full of happiness and opportunity. Please, write me back as soon as you can. Please say you'll come. I couldn't imagine starting this new chapter of my life without you. It's been such a difficult year for you, and I want so much to share this joy with my only son. Nothing would make me happier than to have you here with me six months from now when I become Mrs. Thomas Alva Edison. Love, Mom. So, wow. Uh, that was, obviously, as you could tell, dear listener, that was Rory's mother. Rory, your mom is uh, is going gonna, is gonna to marry Thomas Alva Edison. What do you think about that? Well, I... I... My mother. Yes, your mother uh, with, uh, is going to get married to Thomas Edison. Yes, but I don't, I don't think that I would like him to do that. Well, I yeah, but it's. I mean, she seems really happy, and she sounds like she's wants to marry him, and and, and would be very happy to do that marrying him thing. Are you going to try? I mean, you're going to try to stop the wedding? That would be kind of rude of you, wouldn't it? No, I mean, well, I no, it's my mother, and I didn't want her to be unhappy, but, but. But it's my mother. Well, regardless, we can go to the wedding and we can see what that's like. When is that, August? That's a while away. So, you know, you never know what could happen between now and then. I do not know. No, I don't know. But, oh, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't, Thomas Alva Edison, if you dare hurt my mother to get at me, I will 
find a way to stop you. I will do something very bad. I will, I will get revenge. I will, I will use all of my influence in the historical societies of the world, and I will make sure that the world remembers Tesla as the better man. I swear this to you. You better not hurt my mother. I know you've been married twice, Mr. Edison, and I don't know how time travel figures into that, whether this is between your marriages or before your marriages, or you are cheating on your wife with my mother. But regardless of all those things, if you are toying with her heart, I will destroy your legacy. I promise. I promise you. My mother is my mother. Well, I think he knows that. So don't mess with her was the point of what I was saying, Jordan. Thank you very much. Okay, okay. Well, we do have to get going. Uh, it is time to end the show. Thank you for listening. Next week, we'll be back. We're going to have lots of stuff. And everybody come back next time, and you will have a great one. Um, unless you're Frank, who has no job, or you're Rory, who, whose mother is uh, going to be marrying one of his rivals, or you're Scape, who doesn't get any moist food today. But if you're me, you'll be having a blast. So everybody, I will be seeing you. And put pressure on my wounds My heart is pounding Just having you by my side Ooh. Funny how love is born When two strangers collide But alas, now I'm missing my class As you're pulling the glass out of my chest I feel a tingling deep inside What can I do? Faced with such a tough decision oh, There's two of you Or is that just a On the next episode of Cast and Wax. On guard duty, Broadband and Voodoo Lady discuss team relations. Come on, Claire, be nice. This is me being nice. You should hear me when I really cut loose. Honestly, is there no one on this team you like? I don't have to like them. They're not my friends, they're my colleagues. On Debatatorium, we again discuss the topic of witches. Let me clear this up for you. Going into space? Yeah. Inadvisable. Oh. Space is full of witches. Hold on. Are witches a form of animal life? May I clarify? If you wish. As I did before, that we're talking animals, not human. And on Decker and Hayes, Decker and Hayes come to a reckoning. Macy, you shot a woman for kissing me, and then I find this? You shot a woman? For kissing her? Shut up! Broads. All this plus a scapey story and historical research coming February 23rd to Axwork.com. Why, why didn't I get to do part of this? Is there a reason why? Guys? Guys? Guys?